When it comes to investing, retirement, and legacy planning, the decisions you make today can greatly impact the quality of life for both you and your loved ones tomorrow. Good news. You found the Growing Your Wealth radio show with Brian Evans. Brian is the founder of Madrona Financial Services, and with his background as a CPA, he brings a unique perspective to the investment and financial planning world. So get ready for an hour full of the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. Welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Thank you so much. Welcome to Growing Your Wealth from Madrona Financial and CPAs, where we give you the straight talk and honest answers you need to reach your wealth management and retiree goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name is Jeff Shade, and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions. But of course, the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Brian, how you doing today? Doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Always glad to hear that. Good to be with you on the radio and every weekend right here in these fine radio stations here in Seattle. Once again, you don't have to hear our show on the radio. If you want to hear it on your schedule, we are a podcast. So simply go to wherever you get your podcast and search Growing Your Wealth, Brian Evans, and you'll find a lot of shows right there. I think we're probably pushing around 200 shows right now. So no matter what you're interested in hearing about, there is bound to be a show on that topic right there. On today's show, Brian, I want to talk about some current events, most of which has to do with certainly the economy, the market, the way that things have shaken out over this first part of the year. And I want to start off today with real estate. That is something that people have been coming in and asking you questions about, right, Brian? Yeah. I was thinking about uh, before we did the show today, what are the most common topics I've heard about this week for my clients? And certainly over the last couple of weeks, it's been real estate. You know, we know the market's going through a tough time too, but Real estate is something that's been coming up, and it's been interesting because the reporting on what's going out there does not align with how people are feeling about their real estate. And what I mean by that is that I keep on getting people saying, oh, boy, the, that real estate market, it's its really getting hammered, isn't it? And I'm like, how so? Well, I've been reading in the, all the articles. I'm keeping up on it, and it says there's a big slowdown. I think prices are tanking. Uh, you know, How's your real estate doing? I'm like, that's not accurate. That's not accurate at all. And so I've been looking at the reporting on it, too. And it looks like, boy, if you read the headlines, the real estate market is has a big slowdown and all that stuff. But if you read the fine print or actually do a little research, you go, wait a second. The rate of increase is not as high as it was a year ago. It's still going up in value. So you read the article or at least the headlines on real estate and it sounds like it's going down. But when you get into the numbers, no, it's going up. It's just not going up as fast as it was going up a year ago. So it's really a a misreporting at this point on real estate in general. So that's really, I call that clickbait when you get these headlines to draw you in. But you're right. You're just seeing that real estate isn't appreciating as rapidly as it was before. But really, that rate of appreciation was unsustainable, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely unsustainable. Uh, of course, it's going to slow down. It was. It never should have got that high in the first place. We never should have gotten to a point where you know you lose a house for a million dollars and you got 30 offers the first week. And most of them are well above asking price. That's that's kind of extremely unsustainable uh, right there. And so now if you list a house, uh, you're still listing it probably higher than you would have a year ago. But instead of 30 people offering, maybe you get three. Well, you only need one. And instead of uh, them offering 30% above asking, maybe they're offering it you know, 95% of asking, which is more normal in any normal market anyway. 
So I wouldn't panic on that. And the other thing about that is I was asked about real estate. Oh, what do you think about real estate? And I just, oh, which real estate? I, I could probably name 50 categories if I stood here for a few <laughs> minutes. Which of the 50 would you like to discuss? And it was like, oh, yeah, that's right. They're all different, aren't they? Absolutely. Different real estate moves differently in different markets. And recently we had interest rates go up. So yeah, that does definitely reduce the amount of home buyers, single family residence buyers. And first time home buyers are really getting priced out right now because of that. Uh, You were mentioning before we started here, you remember the mortgage rates uh, in the upper twos? Yeah, they were upper twos. I mean, some places middle twos, but let's say roughly 3% at the beginning of the year. Now they're up to roughly 6%, maybe a little higher than that. Yeah, and put on top of that, the price of the house that you were looking at a year ago is higher today, and your mortgage payment is nearly double, so, you know, because of the interest rate. So it's a big increase. That's a big, big increase for anybody, and it's going to price out a lot of people. There's still, though, a big demand that was not satisfied because people couldn't find a house to buy. You know, when you get 30 offers on a house, there's 29 disappointed people. Right. And there's one person that probably overpaid for it out of that mix. So uh, not a lot of winners there. I guess the seller, of course, they got to buy something somewhere else. So when we look at that, uh, we would expect prices to not continue to go up when a lot of people are being priced out, but there was a lot of pent-up demand. Now, on other fronts, what inflation has done, because that's different from interest rates, but inflation has created a situation where there's a lot of asset classes that are going way up in value because the rental income is going up. Any kind of investment real estate with short-term leases and lots of them, so think self-storage, think multifamily apartment buildings and so forth. Uh, If you start looking at that, and and that's something I did want to talk about uh, also as it relates to inflation. We've been saying on the show, as as people know, over a year that inflation has been dramatically underreported, and we keep being right, uh, unfortunately. And I'm going to express that I think it's going to continue to go up because one of the key inflation components in the CPI is housing costs, rents. So if you're you're renting, now that's a a backward-looking indicator, though, because rents are going up. But as they're going up, it's not necessarily reflected in the CPI, the inflation numbers that they're reporting, because they're looking at what rents were, not what they're going to be. So in the months ahead, we're going to continue to see big increases, I think, in the CPI and the rate of inflation because of the deferred effect of rents increasing uh, along with everything else. Brian, when you talk about rent increases, I saw a chart the other day that had the top rent increase markets in the country. Miami at the top at nearly 40%, but then there were cities such as Phoenix. I mean, they were up 18 and 20%. What does this mean to the real estate market if you're an active landlord? Yeah, active or passive, what it means is that if your debt is, for instance, on a fixed rate, so your outflow is, is not changed, due to inflation or increased interest rates. And your your income is increasing because you're raising rents. Now, one of the things about that statistic, I'm not sure if they're saying the average is 40 or new leases are 40% in Miami. I'm going to guess it's new leases. Right. Now, if you have a situation where you uh, maybe the average tenant is a three-year tenant, so a third of your tenants will turn over in a year, they can't raise the rents all that much on everybody right away because people have leases. 
So a lot of these leases are going to be raised, as I just mentioned, in the year to come and hasn't, haven't even been realized yet. So again, that inflation, that's going to be a real hit to a lot of people. They go, well, I've been paying $1,500 a month for the last several years. And I just got my notice. It's going to be, you know, 2300 mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> well, I, I didn't have an extra 800 a month <laughs> before. So yeah. what now? So now they got to move and there'll be a lot of moving around or, you know, get another roommate or something. <laughs> in your little apartment. I don't know. It's really a a bad, bad situation for uh, the tenants. A good situation for the owners because the owners, again, they raise the rents their outflow doesn't go up, their inflow does. So that all goes to the bottom line. And I've seen some huge increases in net rental income on, say, self-storage and multifamily. Yeah, I was going to say that's for residential real estate. And you're right, this is for uh, people renewing leases. But as you said, for things like passive real estate, if you can call self-storage passive real estate, probably is. And for other forms of commercial real estate, uh, I mean, are we expecting to see these rent increases continue as high there too? Yes. In fact, self-storage is going up more on average than multifamily even, which is interesting alone. Now, some people, a lot of people listening might be active landlords and own rental houses. Now, it's not really the same there in my experience. People that own rental houses do not raise the rent on their tenants every year in general. Most of my clients that I talk to, yeah, I'm thinking about selling my rental because you know I'm not getting great rents because I had a good tenant. They've been there 10 years. They take care of it. I don't want to raise the rent. You know, I understand that. But these multifamily big apartment complexes, you don't have a, a nice person <laughs> in charge of that. You've got a, a corporation. You got you know national property managers. They're looking to to get the maximum income at all times, regardless. And so what you're you're seeing there is that they're right on top of rent increases. Whereas again, the average landlord, in my experience, that own rental houses is not raising rents to market once they purchase those houses. We're talking about real estate with Brian Evans here of Madrona Financial and CPAs. Brian, some of these great increases too. They were in the state of Florida. We've talked before with Delaware Statutory Trust and passive real estate investing. And we've talked about these sunshine states. Does that make the Delaware Statutory Trust in this environment even more attractive? Uh, I think it's it's very attractive from uh, just mostly, you know, certainly I can go into the financial considerations of why they make sense and the tax deferral, maybe tax elimination with uh, step up in basis. But it's really the non-financial aspects that I think are the most critical because when you think about it, the landlord I'm talking to, the biggest benefit of a DST is a step up in basis after they're dead. (laughs) Okay, well, (laughs) that's okay. That sounds great for other people. How does this help me? It's really the non-financial stuff that I would love about the DST. Uh, the big one is you get to retire from being a landlord. Right. You don't have to deal with all this junk anymore. You get to do what you want in your golden years. Uh, that, to me, is a big one. You don't have to worry about the phone ringing and somebody calling you in the middle of the night saying, you know, the water main broke and there's water going down the stairs. You don't have to deal with, uh, there's a little problem with my roof, I think. They have a little, little wet spot there. Oh, yeah, it's going to be $30,000 to replace that roof. Well, gosh, you were going to take a, a couple of trips with that money. So you don't have to deal with all that stuff. So really, it's the non-financial aspects of the DST. But back to your question about sunshine states, 
Uh, yeah, most of the DSTs, you know, people ask about, well, where are they putting these, uh, where are they buying these multifamily and self-storage and, and these different things? Well, typically in the sunshine states. I have never done a DST in North Dakota mm, yeah. or in Indiana or in New Hampshire or Connecticut. You know, I, that's not where they are. They're, you know, lots of Florida, lots of Texas, lots of yeah. North Carolina or Arizona or Nevada. It, it tends to be where, where people are moving. And by the way, if you're an active landlord listening to this and you have questions about the Delaware Statutory Trust, certainly here at Madrona Financial, Brian, you've been doing Delaware Statutory Trust for a while now, and you really vet these things thoroughly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've, we've been doing them for about five years now. And we've done, uh, I just heard yesterday, $185 million wow. worth of DSTs for clients to help them do 1031 exchanges uh, when they want to sell their investment real estate and continue to invest in real estate without paying the income tax on the sale of their real estate and continue to get uh, new cash flow from the DSTs and any underlying appreciation. So lots of lots of great benefits to a, a DST in the right situation. Uh, there's reasons not to do them, of course, we talk about on this show. If you're young and you don't want to do 1031s your whole life or you think your property, you know, you don't want to sell it because you think it's just going to go up, up, up or, or if you need something to do with your spare time, you don't want to sell it for that reason. But if you decided to sell it and you're older in retirement, then uh, DSTs can make a lot of sense. But there is a specific order that you have to do things in or you can blow the deal completely. So if you're even thinking about a DST before you do anything, contact Madrona Financial Services because they'll get you on the right track. You're listening to Brian Evans with Madrona Financial and CPAs. Glad you could join us for our radio show, Growing Your Wealth. If you want to see if your financial plan and retirement have roots that run deep enough to thrive for 30 plus years, request your rooted wealth analysis today. Go to madronafinancial.com, click on the button to get started. Once you fill out the basic information, which takes less than 30 seconds, you'll be able to schedule your rooted wealth analysis and call and see what it takes from advisors and CPAs to build a retirement designed to last 30 plus years. Go to madronafinancial.com, click on Get Started Today. It won't cost you a dime. That's madronafinancial.com. Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans will be right back with even more ways to help you stay focused on your retirement goals. Tired of getting only half the story? We've got you covered with the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with your host, Brian Evans. Now, here's Brian. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. And in this segment, we're going to continue our discussion about the current state of the markets. And Brian, I read something that said that the first half of this year has been the worst in 52 years for the market. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, yeah, you kind of said it all right there. <laughs> I, I know there's been really bad markets from time to time. Maybe some of them were in the second half of the year. I know 2008 was that big crash. So, but yeah, I mean, it's been a, a very, very difficult market for the stock market we're talking about, U.S. stock market. And it has. It has been the worst. But what's interesting is that doesn't mean, oh, gosh, the markets are, are down a lot. I must be in terrible shape. Well, not necessarily. It, you know, it always depends on which you're in. There's lots of different things that a person could be in. They could be in cash, cash equivalents. They could be in bonds, U.S. foreign stocks. They could be in investment real estate, uh, your personal real estate, too, throw that in there, Delaware Statutory Trust. They can be fixed index annuities for accumulation, for cash flow, fixed index universal life, premium finance, structured notes. There's lots of different things someone could be in. And it's that mix that's going to determine probably kind of how you feel about your, you know, mm -hmm. if, if you've done your uh, 
financial planning and integrated some of these other concepts, not all of them are down. Some are up. Some are flat. Uh, you think about, you know, maybe annuities, this would be their flat year because they can't go down, uh, typically uh, fixed index annuities. Anyway, they can't go down. And so zero is your hero, I think, is the, the Yeah, that's the term. saying. Yeah. Uh, if, if you have a zero on your statement, you're feeling pretty good in 2022 uh, with that portion of your assets. So it's it's that mix of assets, the planning around that. And that's why, you know, financial planning is way more than stock picking. Right. It's about making sure you have income for your lifetime. It's making sure you have an, uh, enough security, liquidity, cash flow, and, and tax savings, and, and so forth, and growth, and, you know, all these combined. So it's different pieces. But yeah, that one component, that the big component, the U.S. stock market, is having its worst start to a year in, I guess, 52 years. Brian, for those people who are in the market and they seem to be panicking because they're seeing these drops, should they stay in the market? Should they try to ride this thing out? I mean, what is the sign that you should take that you should go to safer investments, go to cash possibly? Well, if you're not sleeping, that might be a good sign. You know, I can't answer that, of course, because I don't know that particular person. I will say that I think the most common question I have gotten of recent is not from clients. It's from non-clients. And and they're all, oh, I bet your phones are lighting up. I bet your clients are panicking. I'm like, no, that is not the case. In fact, people are kind of surprised sometimes. They look at their statement. They see that they're down. But they go, wait a second, you know, when I factor in my annuities and my real estate and what we have in the market here, I'm not really down that much compared to what the market is. And that was generally a very true statement because of that mix of of assets being there. And so I've always said, and I'll repeat this again, I've always said, if you're going to be in the market, you have to expect you will have times where it is down. When it's down, if you're a client of ours with a mix of different things, when it's down, I want you to be annoyed, but I don't want you to be devastated. Devastated means that you might have to go back to work when you were retired. Devastated means all your eggs were in one basket. So if you're listening, you're going, well, I, my eggs are in one basket and I'm feeling pretty devastated. You know, that's that's probably a good reason to have us look at your information there because we can certainly start talking about things that you're not in and you can't access by yourself. So uh, having that financial plan is really important, especially as it relates to cash flow in your retirement. Are you getting a different reaction from clients today versus the reaction that you got back in 2008 when it was really, really tough? Yes. Very different uh, reaction. Part of it was because in 2008, we didn't know if finances were going to survive. Banks were maybe going to go under. We were looking at a potential Great Depression as opposed to just the Great Recession that we had. And so that was a scary time. The other thing about that time is not only the market got hammered, real estate got hammered even more so in many cases. So now the two biggest, you know, two of the biggest asset classes, equities and, and real estate, were both getting hammered simultaneously. So people were seeing their, their overall portfolios drop as opposed to what I just said, where most of the real estate investments that I'm aware of are actually going up this year and annuities aren't doing anything. The other thing about that is back then, you know, we just didn't have access to all the products that we have today. There weren't a lot of great private non-traded equity REITs or debt REITs. Their fee structures were too high. The companies sponsoring them were making too much money to the detriment of our clients. So I wasn't investing in them then. I am now 
because they've, they've really fixed that and the industry has gotten so much better. Annuities have gotten better. Uh, fixed index universal life policies have gotten a lot better. So now we have alternatives that we just didn't have access to in 2008. They're so much better uh, 14 years later. Brian, I have heard some people expect that the market is going to be turning around sometime between May and October of next year. That's what one advisor told me. What's your feeling about that? Um, uh, that advisor is guessing just like the rest of us would be. He doesn't know. I don't know. I assume it's a he. I don't know. Who knows? I, I do know that every time the market's gone down, it's recovered historically. So every time you hear, oh, the market hit a new all-time high today, well, we know one thing, that it has surpassed every level it's ever been since the beginning of time mm-hmm. if it's at a, a brand new all-time high. So it has erased every single drop it ever had when they say stuff like that. And they say, you know, we, we hear about that from time to time. We probably hit that this year in January, I, I would suspect, or close to it. So if you're in the market long term, I guess you don't really have to worry about it. As long as you're not pulling money out, you're not subjecting yourself to sequence of return risk, then if your cash flow, your income is coming from other sources and you're not relying on it during a down market from your equity positions and you're not over-invested in equities, then this is just like, oh, okay, well, my statement doesn't look great, but it'll be fine later. Now, is later three months from now, six months, a year from now, two years? I don't know. Uh, nobody does. But I do know one thing, though. If, if you're in the market now, uh, now's a better time to be in the market than it was six months ago, evidently, mm-hmm. because when it was much higher, if you believe the markets will recover. And I think the markets will recover. Do you think that the down market like we're having right now presents buying opportunities? Absolutely. If you had cash available on the sidelines, most people, though, that I know of, they're generally pretty fully invested all the time. And again, it was just a matter of if you're spread out amongst a lot of those asset categories I was just talking about, uh, you're probably not all that concerned. You know, one of the things to look at and and remember, because some people get really focused on the negative and they'll look at their statement and go, oh, my statement says I'm down. I'll just throw a number out there for argument's sake, 20%. I'm down 20%. And I might remind them, well, wait a second. You have 40% of your money in the market. That part's down 20 But 20% you have in, in your real estate, and you've got these annuities that didn't lose any money. So really, uh, your overall portfolio might be down 6%, not 20 and they go, oh, you know, you're right. You know, <laughs> once I add up everything and put my gains and losses against that figure, yeah, I might be down in single digits or low double digits. And that gets into the annoying category, but not devastating category, hopefully, for most people. And so when you look at everything combined, a lot of people realize, you know, even though this is the worst market in 52 years, it doesn't feel like it. Right. It is, it's, you know, I, I, I think I, I did something right here. I, I, I Diversification did work. And, and sometimes I remember remember these conversations sometimes after we had 12 years of a bull market, some people would come to me and go, well, why diversify at all? Right. Why not just put it all in the market? The market just goes up, 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 up. Well, until it doesn't. And so, you know, there are reasons to diversify. Different investments do different things. They're like tools. They have different functions. Equity investments aren't meant to help your cash flow or your security or your tax savings. You know, everything has its, its place. And so uh, mixing and matching to do the, the appropriate job with the tools that you have is what's important. But it is interesting to have these conversations with people and, and what they focus on and help them uh, see the big picture if they've done the proper planning. If they haven't, then it's like, well, you know, then the conversation is more like, all right, 
right? You have this portfolio. You've come to me. Uh, we're looking at it. You wish you hadn't done it that way. All we can do is the best decisions from this day forward. We can't recreate the past. For people who are looking to retire in, let's say, the next year or so, and they're looking to use this money that they've had in the market for retirement income, should they be more concerned than those people who are maybe going to be retiring in 10 years? I mean, what would someone do? How does the market really affect someone who's looking to retire in the next year? Yeah, I think, uh, well, everybody would feel like uh, theirs is really important, I think, because if it's in one year, that's fine. We do a financial plan, make sure it's okay to retire in a year. That's the biggest, probably one of the biggest reasons we do financial plans. It's not just asset allocation and, and different strategies and so forth. It's to, to find out if and when you can retire, what makes sense. And once you're retired, how much can you spend given your legacy uh, concerns. And so a lot of times I'm doing the plans to answer that question, can we retire? So let's say we answered the question, uh, yes, you can. In one year, decide you want to retire. Uh, how does that affect it differently from a 10-year plan? Well, certainly if they got 10 years, I got access to other investments, maybe fixed index, universal life, longer-term investments that I may not have access to if, if you need the cash flow right away uh, or in a year. So that it does change our, our planning somewhat. You know, it just, just makes it a little more difficult when, you know, the shorter the time frame, if I have a long time frame, but that's just not realistic. Most people come to me with shorter time frames. They're nearing retirement or in retirement when they come see us. Brian, because we did have such a long bull market there, are you finding that people just expect that to continue? I mean, they really don't know any different. And when the market has a little fluctuation, they panic. Yeah, I, I think that's a common thing. That, that Same thing with real estate that I've seen people project. You know, the real estate market goes up 15% a year. I just projected for the next 30 years and I'll be worth a trillion dollars. You know, I think, well, no, it's probably not going to be 15% every year compounded. Same thing with the stock market. Long-term average of the U.S. stock market before fees is probably close to, uh, I'm going to throw this number out there, I'm probably pretty close, 7% a year. That's pretty close to a very long-term average for the the stock market. Um, I've seen a statistic recently on farmland. The long-term average is 6% a year. Uh, Real estate's a tougher one. It might have a little lower average. However, because of leverage, as typical with real estate, you might have a higher return on equity. But they're all, you know, you're kind of in that range. And when we've had a number of years of double-digit returns, you can pretty much expect that can't go on forever. Uh, The market was probably, you know, in retrospect, overvalued, but we just never knew when it would, the sell-off, any sell-off would come. But uh, now, if you look at price-earnings ratios, it's pretty fairly valued, I would say, based on historical averages. We're talking with Brian Evans of Madrona Financial and CPAs about common concerns that investors have. And imagine a few years from now, you're at the beach, you check your phone, and the markets are down, the news is panicking, and you're smiling because you know you are set. You took the initiative, and you made sure your financial plan had deep enough roots. Does your financial plan have the roots that it needs to sustain you for the next 30 plus years? Well, to find out, go to madronafinancial.com and take our rooted wealth analysis there. It's only going to take you about 30 seconds to answer some questions that will help you determine whether or not your wealth is rooted well enough that you can relax for the next 30 years and know that you're covered. Again, go to madronafinancial.com, take the rooted wealth analysis. It'll only take you a couple of seconds there. madronafinancial.com. Stay tuned for more Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the show you can't afford to miss. 
You can't build a house with just one tool, and you can't plan for retirement without an integrated, comprehensive strategy. If you want to get more information on the Madrona bundle of services, call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA or go to madronafinancial.com. Now, back to more of Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. And in this segment, we're going to continue our discussion about the economy. And Brian, I read that Jerome Powell has talked about raising uh, interest rates by 175 basis points, not all at once, but throughout the rest of the year. So in this segment, I want to talk about what these interest rate changes mean to people who are going into retirement. First of all, define basis points. Yeah, basis points is just a one hundredth of one percent. So if something went up 100 basis points, that's one percent. And so when we hear that the term basis points, that's what they're referring to. They're just moving the decimal point two points over. Okay, so uh, as I said, Jerome Powell says he may raise things 175 basis points for the rest of the year. What does this mean for people going into retirement in terms of their investments? Boy, that's a that's an interesting question and and complex because there are winners and losers to everything. Uh, I think most people lose when inflation is around, though. That's mostly losers. I don't know a lot of winners in that world. Well, I, I do know some. We we talked about it earlier in the segment uh, landlords of multifamily and self storage. You own those, you're raising rents because your your tenants are short-term leases. And with short-term leases and inflation, they raise the rents and their expenses don't go up. Their profit goes, it all goes to the bottom line. So they're a winner with inflation. Now, if you're retired and Jerome Powell, you know, increases the interest rate, the overnight borrowing between banks and so forth, you might go, huh, let me see how that affects me. Well, first off, my house is paid off or I have a fixed interest rate loan. Okay, that did not change. Uh, maybe I have a car loan. Maybe I did, probably not. That didn't change. I'm probably not going out to finance things. Maybe I was going to buy a motorhome. I'm not going to now because it's too expensive. Okay. Or maybe I was going to buy a second home, but uh, I just got priced out and the interest is too high. Okay. So that might affect you in that way. The other thing on the good side is when we have what we've seen is your cash, cash equivalent CDs, fixed index annuities, fixed annuities, all those. The rate that they're paying out is much, much higher now potentially than it had been. Uh, you, you made an interesting comment about what rates were recently, Jeff. Yeah, I was just looking at the CD rates here and they used to be abysmal. Now they're just bad. Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. <laughs> they used to be abysmal. They weren't paying anything for money, which is interesting to me in, in one respect is if rates had gone up, why are banks willing to pay more to attract money when they're not necessarily lending it out? The demand for loans is not increasing from when it was low. So I don't know that that's really that sustainable. Banks are going to you know, have to entice people again to borrow money because uh, people are going to start clamping down on that a little bit if right. rates are too high. And that by itself should lower interest rates. It's a supply-demand thing. I think we have an imbalance right now as it relates to that. But getting back to your question, uh, yeah, you might look at uh, – it's all perspective. I remember there was a time when if I said you could get – 3% on a CD, you just go, what? You're nuts. Why yeah. would I want 3%? Now people lose their mind. Oh my gosh, I've hit the jackpot. 3% mm-hmm. for a CD, if you can get it, you'd think you hit the jackpot. So it's all all perspective. And we were talking uh, during the break about perspective. Yeah, Brian, it's all about perspective. Earlier in the year, I checked uh, interest rates on CDs, money markets, and they were like 0.39%. I just looked now and I'm seeing like 2%, 25 
Yeah, and, and so you think, okay, well, that's pretty good. Not when you compare it to inflation, though. So if you're spending your money and you're earning two and inflation's, you know, on the goods and services you're buying 15 or whatever it really truly is, that's not a very good deal. So that's what we mean by abysmal. And, and certainly abysmal as compared to, uh, we're talking perspective, as compared to the past. Yeah, that's exactly right. We were talking about uh, home loan interest rates, and you were talking about the interest rate that you paid on your first house in Kirkland. Yeah, you asked me if I remember. Of course I do. It's a number. I'm <laughs> pretty good. Sure. I have a good memory for numbers. Not names so much, but numbers. But yeah, I was thrilled to get this really super low fixed rate interest. I could not believe I was able to get an 8.625% loan on my first house there in Kirkland. And man, what a bargain that was because it was just earlier that same year that interest rates dropped to this amazing low level for the first Mm -hmm. time in my adult lifetime. They dropped below 10%, Jeff. And people were happy to get those rates. Like you said, 8.65%. You thought you'd died and gone to heaven, you know, with that sort of interest rate. And I know people, I mean, 10% was uh, an interest rate that I got on my first home. And I thought that that was absolutely fantastic. I remember back when I was a young man, and I've mentioned this before on TV in New England, and people were standing in line to get interest rates at 18%. So it's all about perspective. Yeah, it sure is. And I've told this story before. Uh, my first bank account, savings account, where I was getting interest for my berry picking money, I remember the number. I got 12.5% interest wow. on wow. passbook savings <laughs> at the bank. But, uh, you know, I thought that was pretty good because I wasn't, you know, they weren't raising the, the price of baseball cards, which is all I spent my, my money on at the time anyway. So uh, that was a pretty good deal for me then. But yeah, it's all perspective because now we're we look at 6%. When I was a young man, I would have thought, there's no way interest rates will be as low as 6. You know, don't even talk to me about the, the threes, you know, but 6. I, I would have never thought that was possible. But now, you know, now it's like this horrible thing. I, I guess uh, historically, uh, 6 isn't that bad. In fact, it's, it's probably well below the long-term average. Yeah, you talk about those baseball cards. If you had invested in the right baseball cards back then and you held on to them, who knows? I mean, those could have been a very, very good investment. I've got a nephew who invested who never really threw away any baseball card that he had from a young man and he made an entire living enough to buy a house on the appreciation of these baseball cards and uh, it is incredible the way that things like that non-traditional investments can go up but of course they can go the other way too. Brian, in the past, we have had certainly the 2008 recession. I mean, we have had just all sorts of black swan events and different things. What do you think we have learned as a country about the current situation that we're in? Well, you know, it depends on your age sometimes because I was talking to an advisor and he was kind of making some some bets on the market saying uh, that certain parts of the market could never drop you know, a certain percentage. And I was thinking, oh, my gosh, young man, uh, I've seen that happen twice. And so, you know, they can't do it until they do. And uh, the one thing about black swan events, what that means is something that, you know, no one sees coming. Right, right. It shouldn't really happen, but it did. It's this weird thing. Uh, The thing is, we've had a bunch of those. And so I don't know that they're really black swans anymore, because when something is occurring somewhat, not consistently, but 
it, it has occurred on many occasions, then it's not so unusual to, to suspect that, well, something weird could happen. And certainly in the world that we live in, weird stuff can happen. You know, we don't know what Russia's going to do, what Putin's going to do, what Korea's going to do, what China, all this stuff. There's so many things, you know, just starting with that, we could get into all kinds of issues that aren't even talked about. How about the, the fact there isn't a lot of water in the Southwest? You know, just, you know, we go on and on with uh, potential problems that could really devastate uh, markets or, or regions or whatever it is. We could do this all day long. And that's kind of the point of uh, this show. If it was as easy as buying the S&P 500, parking it and, and walking away and just pulling money off that at, at a 5% draw rate and not worrying about sequence of return risk, then gosh, uh, we, let's, just, let's just sign off here, Jeff. We don't need to get back on the yeah, show. Yeah. But it is not that. It is so much more complicated than that. And that's what we're here to help people with. Well, I think that there are a few key things to remember about how we've gotten through downturns before. I mean, we had 70s Carter era inflation. We had stagflation, the dot-com bubble, the Great Recession of 2008. The point is that we've seen these roadblocks before. We've gotten through them. And having a professional by your side who knows how to navigate these tough times and has done so before is an invaluable asset to your retirement. What are some of the steps that retirees or soon-to-be retirees can take to protect themselves during these volatile times? Yeah, you left out you know, the world pandemic, too. Not just I'm, a very small thing. Oh, yeah, I didn't think it was one. worth mentioning. <laughs> yeah, there were, you know, you go through that list. It's like, how do we survive? You know, yeah, it's right. like crazy. But, you know, in between all those times, you know, we, we can focus on those. What's, but it's interesting. I've never heard anybody really kind of go, oh, look at the last, you know, 25 years. We had that run up in the late 90s. We had that big recovery from 04 to 07. We had, boy, 09 was the best buying opportunity of our lifetime when the Dow was in the 7,000s. We had that 12-year bull market. We had, you know, all those good parts that yeah, were in between right. all the bad times. It's They all, they, they come with each other. You, you, it's like people. I mean, you get the good with the bad, and, and the, nobody's perfect, and you know, you, you get both. And so, knowing that, knowing that bad stuff is going to happen to all markets, real estate markets, and you're going to have annuities that don't earn anything certain years. Uh, you're going to have stock markets that go down. The bond market's been suffering as interest rates go up. Everything's going to go through a tough time, and having the the right mix is so incredibly important. And the thing to get the thing about it is a lot of people do it yourselfers don't tend to realize. And we're we're going to talk about this on another show coming up. But don't think about the fact that most of the things, the tools that we use to diversify uh, against these kinds of markets aren't even available to the general public without yeah. going through a licensed financial advisor or insurance person. So you got to go through someone like that to get most of these tools. Yeah, I mean, a DIY is fine if you're going to build a deck or something like that, but uh, maybe not the best idea when it comes to financial planning. We're talking with Brian Evans here. And Brian, I think that the takeaway from this particular segment on growing your wealth is just simply putting things into perspective. It may not be as bad as you think. If you want to see if your financial plan and retirement have roots deep enough to thrive for 30 plus years, request your Rooted Wealth Analysis today. Go to madronafinancial.com, click on the Get Started button. Once you fill out the basic information, it's going to take about 30 seconds. You'll be able to schedule your Rooted Wealth Analysis and uh, see what it takes to get you to and through retirement from the advisors and CPAs at Madrona Financial. Build a retirement to last 30 plus years. Go to madronafinancial.com and click get started today. Not going to cost you a dime. That's madronafinancial.com. Discussing the financial issues that matter most to you. We'll be right back with more Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. 
Do you ever worry if your CPA and financial advisor are on the same page? You won't have to if you call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA or visit them at madronafinancial.com. Now, back to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial and CPAs. In this segment, we're going to be talking about paying too much attention to predictions. And Brian, we were talking earlier about a prediction that I heard one advisor say who he thinks that things are going to turn around between May and October of the coming year. I don't know what his basis for making that prediction was, but you know, it's similar in sports. You got a couple of teams there and in theory on paper, this team should annihilate the other team, but often it doesn't work out that way. Yeah, you know, you, you watch like ESPN or something and they have like three hours before the game, they'll be talking about the game and everybody comes on there and says, well, I think the blue team's going to win. This is why. Well, no, the red team's going to absolutely win and this is why. And And I'm thinking, this is really boring. They're going to play in three hours. Why don't we just, <laughs> just skip this show <laughs> and watch the game because we don't know what's going to happen. It's the same thing with the market. I mean, you, you watch the market stuff all day and people are making predictions all the time, all the time. I, I just wish somebody would go on a replay and, and start measuring, you know, how often they're right. My guess is it's going to be about 50%, you know, plus or minus about three. And so, you know, it's just a, a crapshoot as, as to these different things. But we, we find it interesting. We watch it. We go, oh, wow, they make some good points. Well, whatever they made, I can make the opposite point. We don't know. We don't know when markets are going to recover. We don't even know if, but we, we do know historically they do. So if, if we believe that because uh, corporations make money, profit every year, and that goes the bottom line, over time they are worth more than they used to be. And innovation occurs and profitability happens, and so companies are worth more as time goes by. And so we, we do know that, but as far as the timing of when that should happen, that's a really tough one to do, especially when you're breaking it down to days, weeks, or even months. Brian, I'm looking at a headline right now. Robert Kiyosaki of Rich Dad, Poor Dad says, hot inflation will wipe out 50% of the U.S. population. And the article goes on to uh, talk about how to protect yourself. Is this the sort of thing that people look at and they actually make financial decisions based on headlines? Yes, uh, I, I see that happening quite a bit. They're not generally our clients, but yeah, I see that happen a lot. People say, oh, I read this disturbing article about X, Y, and Z. And I, I always ask, who wrote it? Well, I don't know. Well, what, what's the gist of the article? And, and they'll tell me. I go, hmm, they're either selling gold or annuities, or hmm, they're selling the market, or they're selling books, or they're selling TV listenership, you know, something. I remember when I used to go on CNBC Closing Bell and, and Fox Business, but I remember CNBC Closing Bell, the, I'd have the, the headphones on. I was about ready. I think it was Maria Bartiromo's show. She mm-hmm. would invite me on regularly. And I remember the producer would get in my ear. he go, okay, bring a lot of energy and say something kind of salacious. I'm like, whoa, that's not my world. I, right, I, right. I'm kind of the voice of reason here. <laughs> and, oh, we want it interesting, exciting, and, you know, bring, really bring something. I'm like, ooh, okay. I'm probably not the right guy for you, but you know it would it would go okay. But I it just it just kind of stuck in my head that he didn't ask for something accurate. He didn't ask for anything calm. He he wanted something that viewers would find interesting, and and that's you know like uh, the, this author you just mentioned. The guy's writing a book. I'm pretty sure he wants to sell the book, right? Saying that half of you are going to get wiped out. You better read this, uh, so you're not one of them. Gosh, I might buy that book. You know, I don't want to be. 
part of half the people. But I'm going to guess that he's going to be wrong. I'm going to guess that inflation isn't going to wipe out half of the population. What it says right here. <laughs> I know. So, uh, uh, you know, it's you got to always consider the source. And I get asked this all the time, why this, why that in the financial markets? And my, my answer before I even look it up every time is, well, let's follow the money. Mm-hmm. How do they get paid? Or they'll say, why, why isn't this such and such uh, held by this custodian? Don't they like it? I'm going, well, let's look at it. It's not worth their time. They don't make enough money. That's why. You know, it's always it always follows the money. You follow the money. If, if I have a, a TV show and I and I was a producer and I was putting out boring stuff like I might be talking about, you know, and, and, and it was informative and accurate, I'd get kicked off the air because I wouldn't have enough ratings. I got to be Kramer. I got to be screaming about stuff. Yeah. I know they, they did a, I remember they did an analysis of him. They went, did go back and, and measured all of his recommendations, you know, it's like, well, I, you got to do this, and I'm 100% right all the time. And like, he wasn't even right 50% of the time. So, you know, you could just pick up this quarter here and flip it, and you would have had a better uh, track history than he had. And so, yeah, you got to take all that with a grain of salt and, and definitely follow the money as to who's authoring whatever it is you're reading. Well, Jim Cramer is an entertainer, and I think people need to keep that in mind. He's a very good entertainer, but it is entertainment. And, you know, you've got to attract viewers some way, and it seems that dire information does get people to tune in most of the time. We're talking with Brian Evans here of Madrona Financial and CPAs about taking information that you see in the media with a grain of salt. Brian, do too many people listen to these things and actually make financial decisions based on news headlines? Yeah, and as I mentioned, I, I, I do see that happen. Happening. We started the show talking about a headline uh, that the real estate market is slowing down, and I have clients that think it's it's dropping. Well, no, the rate of growth is less than it used to be. It's still a rate of growth. It's still going up in value. That is different from something that's dropping. So again, how things are reported can really affect us. And people, yeah, people, there's so much news to consume, whether it's on Facebook or CNN or Fox or whatever. If you look at those articles that they're reporting, uh, one of the interesting things I, I've noticed, or even on, on the business, you know, Yahoo Business or whatever, most of the articles, you ask yourself, is this really news? Remember news back in the old days, Walter Cronkite and yeah. so forth? Yeah, now I'm looking at these going, that's not news. You know, they'll say, they'll say something like, gee, uh, residents in Poughkeepsie think this about this candidate. I'm like, hmm, uh, you, you talk to five people in Poughkeepsie. I don't really care about that. That's not news. That's not something that's happening. Or they'll talk about Joe Blow thinks that the market's going to implode and we're all going to die. I'm like, no, that's not news. That's somebody's opinion that's trying to sell something and get famous and get talked about. So we really have to watch you know, what we're consuming. And is it actually accurate? And is it being put out by somebody that doesn't have a isn't trying to get you to do something. And unfortunately, the news and even business news is designed to get a reaction and to get you to, to do some manipulate you in some in some way very often. I'm looking at some of the headlines right now, Brian. Stock futures plunge ahead of final trading day in June. Market sell-off, two beaten down NASDAQ stocks to buy before the bull market begins. Wall Street slides, Dow set for the worst half since 1962. And Dow falls nearly 300 points with stocks on track to finish brutal quarter deep in the red. With all these salacious headlines, Brian, is there really any news that is of value that you can actually use? 
Well, even while you're reading, the, sometimes the terminology really bothers me. They'll say the market is plunging, uh, you know, and it's like you'll look at it and it's down, you know, 0.3 percent. You know, <laughs> that to me is not plunge. That's a normal day up or down. That's that's not a rally. That's not a plunge. It's nothing to freak out about. And every investment advisor worth of salt is going to say we're in this for a longer term period than a day. But the, the reports you're reading there, I mean, so many of them are what's happening this hour or this minute or this week or this day like that matters it really shouldn't uh, if you're a long-term investor with a plan and the right asset mix and so you know i guess it sells copy or whatever it gets people to look at it and read it but really take that with a grain of salt. I mean, people are, are driven nuts by this stuff so often. And I think part of a ha- successful retirement is to get all this stuff out there to where you don't have to watch this stuff every day and worry, worry, worry about stuff that's never really going to come about. Because there is every year, every year of my life, there will be articles about how bad the market is, it's plunging, it's dropping. And I would say that most people who have been in the market for a long time are really happy they have been and ignored those headlines. Brian, is this information something that is most interesting to those people who are doing it themselves? Because it seems like if they were using a financial advisor such as yourself, that all of this wouldn't mean anything. Well, yeah, I, even the do-it-yourself or so, they'll, they'll get all worked up about all this stuff. But then I'll ask, well, what kind of changes did you make to your portfolio? And most of the time, the answer is nothing. I'm paralyzed. And so I call this analysis paralysis. So people will analyze, some people will analyze, 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 and they'll never make any decisions or any changes because it's hard to do to know because now you got to say, I'm a market timer. I know what's going to happen next week or next month. Well, you, you don't. And so you, if once you put yourself in that position, now you can just overanalyze the point where you really can't even make a decision. Well, I think the key here is that you won't have to worry about any of these things if you put yourself in the hands of a qualified financial planner and a CPA. I mean, really, that's what it's all about is having a plan. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what this show's about. It's about having a plan and just kind of, you know, get people to think about things. If, if they have one, great. Uh, most people listening maybe don't or don't have a one that's uh, as accurate as it could be or that have all the tools in the toolbox that we talk about on the show. So, you know, just having uh, have, by having some perspective, thinking about what kind of input you're allowing into your brain and, and where it's coming from and, and the accuracy of that uh, are things to consider. And it's helpful as, you know, as we talk about things, uh, concepts on this show about picturing what you want your life to look like. And finances are a big tool to get you the life you want to have. And so really considering that and not letting some author or some entertainer on TV or somebody selling gold or whatever influence overly influence your decisions as to how you're going to live your life. And Brian, I think that's exactly why the Rooted Wealth Analysis is so important and why we invite people every week on this program to request your Rooted Wealth Analysis. Simply go to madronafinancial.com and click on the Get Started button to see how deep your financial roots are to see if they can help you withstand these financial storms. Once again, it's madronafinancial.com. It'll take you about 30 seconds to answer these questions. and You'll find out whether or not your financial roots are deep enough to not only sustain the storm, but to get you to and through retirement that might last for 30 years. Once again, it's madronafinancial.com. Click on the Get Started button. Well, Brian, out of time for this week. I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank our listeners for joining us as well, too. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Get out, have a great weekend, won't you? We'll talk to you again next week with another edition 
of Growing Your Wealth. No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth radio show shall constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your individual information. Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency, and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. No investment strategy, including asset allocation or diversification, guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes.